as long as you're out there, that's more than other people can say for themselves. I think you've just got to constantly be out and trying because if you're doing that and if you're actively failing, it's going to propel you to move forward and you're going to learn way more than the person that's sitting in their room who's too scared to ever do a show. And they'll never do it because they're too scared and you're going to grow way more than they do because you're putting yourself out there at the very least. Hi, I am joined by Quinn O'Donnell. She is a musician, singer, uh, based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, yeah, thank you for being on the podcast, Quinn. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Excited yeah. to get into it. Yeah, me too. So let's get started. So I always like to take the journey back from the beginning. So around what age did you feel like you started to kind of get interested in music and kind of playing? Do you play instruments? Oh, yes. Uh, yes, okay. absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I grew up around music my entire life. Uh, I'm, I was born in Nashville, unlike a lot of folks. A lot of people have moved here, but I was born here um, to two musicians. Both of my parents do music. So grew up in a very musical household, um, constantly surrounded by it and just enamored with everything around me. And um, so I think I always knew I wanted to do music in some kind of capacity uh, pretty much my entire life, but I don't think it was necessarily until I was maybe in middle school or high school that I really realized how much I loved performing. Um, and I wanted specifically to pursue that aspect of music. I think I considered a business side of things considered more, you know, behind the scenes production, um, but ended up, you know, where I was, uh, just because I, I love performing so much and I love storytelling and, writing and I just think that was kind of the way that things went but my folks have always been very encouraging I'm lucky to come from an environment where um it was never stigmatized that mm -hmm. I wanted to pursue that it was very much always seen as normal um always highly encouraged in our house too my parents never like looked down on me or anything like that so I'm fortunate to have had that uh as part of my upbringing I know not a lot of people are so lucky um, so with that, you know, support system, I think it really propelled me to kind of move forward and to be able to pursue what I'm doing now. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, that's a, that's a good point because there's so many times when it's like people are like the only artistic person in their family and they're kind of, yes. they label themselves as like the black sheep of the family type thing, but it's, mm -hmm. but yeah. So it's always great to hear that, you know, you have supportive parents, especially in the, the dude, uh, so do they do like the kind of similar types of music that you're into or is it like something that's completely opposite? I mean, kind of, we're very different. My okay. mom was like a jazz Christian R&B singer in the oh. early 90s. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, dad. No, yeah, they have an amazing story. They met in a college in jazz school and my dad was her bass player and her songwriter. So that's how they met. They have always played music together, and then they moved to Nashville to pursue their careers. My dad then kind of switched more into the business side of things, did artists and repertoire for uh, a small label called Sparrow at the time, and then it became EMI, and then later became what is now known as uh, Capital Christian Music Group here in Nashville. Oh, wow. So my dad did artists and repertoire for that, artists like Chris Tomlin, Toby Mac, uh, NF, 
those are all artists that have worked directly with my dad and who have come over for family dinners. So I grew up in a very, very Christian household, but not necessarily a traditional Christian household. Mm -hmm. More like the cool hipster Christians that like <laughs> wear skinny jeans and go to Hillsong and like, you know, they're they're cool. They're not like the other Christians. Like that was my family. And uh, I think I always felt, um, I think a sense of pressure in a way being their kid because mm -hmm. I think a lot of the times too, I think anyone who still lives in the same town where they were born in, I'm sure understands the struggle of like, going around and a lot of people know who your parents are before they know who you are i've had to leave school over it i've had to leave a church because of it just because a lot of the times people wouldn't even call me by my own name they would just call me like brad's kid aaron's kid whatever and it was really disheartening because i love my parents i'm certainly not ashamed of them i talk about them all the time they're my biggest heroes but they're also not my entire identity i'm still my mm -hmm. own separate person so i think for a while i was a bit kind of rebellious about it and when i uh kind of went off on my own for a bit i was like what is the most grungy alternative rock music i can make i'm gonna <laughs> dye my hair gray <laughs> you know, whatever, I'm going to do my own thing. And um, sort of how now sort of settled into this like in-between genre that I think I'm really happy with and I think ultimately was what I've always wanted to make. But it's definitely interesting growing up in a household with, um, you know, Christian music, Christian parents. And um, I am a Christian as well, non-denominational Christian, but I don't necessarily consider it my entire identity and mm -hmm. necessarily... Um, base my music around it i think you know I, i've mentioned in, in songs before but i don't think it's necessarily my like my genre per se okay so yeah. have you found it difficult to try like feel like you have do you feel like you have like a pressure to kind of like carve your own path because of like who your parents are or anything like that or is it just like you're embracing it now and let's go let's go for it I feel like kind of yes and no in okay. a way. I think um, when I was much younger, I think I definitely did. And I think it made me angry and hurt. And I think I was upset that a lot of people didn't give me a chance to kind of get the opportunity to be myself. Um, I mean, like I said, people would never call me by my own name. It really hurt. Um and people I think are, I never are blamed. So mean sometimes. Oh my gosh, I know. But also not even that, but just very like, gosh, like a place where I think you're supposed to feel comfortable and you're mm -hmm. supposed to feel safe and um, able to express yourself. I mean, I was in like a church small group. I remember I we went to three separate meetings and never once did the leader ever refer to me as just Quinn. She was always like, oh, you're Brad's kid. Like, you're Brad's kid. I thought you were going to say something really wise. Oh, you're Aaron O'Donnell's daughter. I thought you were going to, like, sing for us all or something. And I'm like, oh, I didn't feel like it. I'm here to learn. I'm here to, like, sit and, I'm, I'm you know, just here to chill, observe. Yeah. I'm just here to hang out. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know what you think I'm going to do, but I, I'm not going to do it. I'm probably just going to sit and take it all in, you know. That happens but, so much with, like, being a creative and once somebody knows that you're you know, somewhat talented at something. They just mm -hmm. want you to drop at a moment's notice and start like just doing whatever you're good at. It's just like, no, exactly. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like, yeah. I, and I, 
Oh, Lord. I think it was... It's funny. I feel like in Nashville, that's not as... um, It's not as common in Nashville, just because I feel like everybody does music. So it's like, oh, you're a musician. What do you play? Oh, cool. You're way more interesting if you don't play something. Everyone's like, wait, if you don't do music, what do you what do you do? What do do you do? Uh, But when I lived abroad uh, in France for a bit, I was surprised at like when I said, oh, I'm a musician. Everyone was like, what? That's crazy. And I'm like, yeah, not like and they're like, and you've like released things like on Spotify and I'm like yeah like a lot of people have and they I think were under the impression that I was like this really successful like amazing like local celebrity in my hometown <laughs> and I'm like oh, I don't know if that's a that's but it, it, helps... it, it gave me a chuckle I thought it was yeah. funny <laughs> it, it, it helps boost the ego a little bit where you're oh, just like yeah. Well, yeah check me out on Spotify you I know? mean you know <laughs> exactly i mean yeah you can look at it i'll sign sure i'll sign an autograph (laughs) okay here we go exactly exactly (laughs) yes oh i wish i wish that would be cool no i mean that's just like i've 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 had that happen before as well and it's just like Mm -hmm. okay listen like it makes their day and as long as it makes their day and then like i can kind of go on and like you know have a good little ego boost it's always works oh yeah um makes you feel good yeah, but then going back, like people being rude, because I was going to make a point about that. I just feel like that yeah. comes from like places of like insecurity most of the time. Mm. And so it's just like, yeah, it's it took me a long time because I would always kind of take those things like so personally and like it would just like eat away at me. But now I'm just like, okay, obviously they have things going on in their life that they're unhappy about and they're projecting it onto me type things. And yeah, so mm-hmm. it took me a while to kind of get past like kind of like that the bullies that kind of go about whenever you're trying to like carve your own path type thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree okay. with that. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, so then you began to kind of notice in middle school, high school that you enjoyed performing. Did you do like talent shows? Did you like kind of like put on like little concerts and everything like that? Oh my gosh. All the time. Okay. I mean, any opportunity I got to be the center of attention, I would take it. Okay. Uh, I remember as a kid, my parents, you know, having parties and whatnot, and they're like, mm-hmm. all right, this is Quinn. Go ahead and do something. And I'm like, all right. And I would just do something to command the attention of everybody in the room. Or um, my mom, I grew up mainly like uh, spending time with my parents uh, by going on like tours with my mom and we'd go meet her in different cities and I remember she would like go on stage and she'd be like all right I'm gonna bring out my three-year-old daughter Quinn she's gonna sing a song and I would just sing to like an arena of people for my mom and I'd be like yep all these people were here for me not for you mom it's fine (laughs) when obviously like they're here for her but I think it definitely gave me an obnoxious uh ego when i was a kid for yeah. sure which I mean, it's, quickly it's got squashed i mean the moment i started school um like immediately got squashed but when i was a kid i was you know i was invincible i could do anything <laughs> i had some very loving and encouraging parents but then you know once you get out in the real world and you're like oh this is not you know it makes it makes you very sad i was pretty heavily bullied and i think that really did a sense for my mm. uh character development <laughs> so yeah man i mean i mean mm. how could you not get an ego i mean you were selling out arenas at 
three yeah. years old. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't I, know. I, I can't remember what I was doing at three. I certainly wasn't doing that. I was probably, you know, out in the backyard somewhere. Yeah, I, I grew up in like mud or sticks or mud. whatever. <laughs> That's all I had because I I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Um, oh, like, okay. Yeah. So we didn't get county water. Until I was like in like middle school, so that's how okay, far well, I was sticks. Yeah, we were. Wow. We had electricity. Don't worry, everyone. I had electricity. <laughs> it was just county mm-hmm. water and stuff. But so, oh my gosh. So, do you find that like you know, the the adversity of being bullied? And, um, not to get too far into this, but like, did no, you no. feel like it helped you, or did it take a little time to get like or? Cause I'm sure that like now you can kind of look at it and be like, okay, this is this, there's a growth period and you can kind of mm-hmm. use it to like maybe mm-hmm. artistically. Um, did you have any issues or, or anything like that? I think it definitely made me have a very humble mindset. I think mm-hmm. as I aged, um, I've never thought I was deserving of something more than anyone else especially growing up in Nashville where it's like yeah everyone does music of course there are people that are better than me who are probably more deserving of this opportunity than myself and so I never really viewed myself as more worthy or the only kid who does music so therefore I deserve this thing um and so it was very interesting i don't think i really noticed it was something that was an advantage to Mm. me in any way until i attempted to go to college and all of the other kids around me it was like sort of a big fish in a little pond situation Mm. of like no i'm the best i'm the best i'm the best and i'm like well everyone here is good that's why we're here everyone got in on their own merit because they're talented but that, you know, that doesn't make you bad just because someone yeah. else is talented. We're all talented in different ways and everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. Um, but it was definitely, I think because I was bullied and looked down upon and whatever, I think it definitely gave me sort of a more encouraging spirit. My parents point that out all the time, how I just, I want everyone to win. I want everyone to do a good job. I love seeing my friends succeed. Most of my friends are other musicians. And I think, you know, people are so quick to put women against each other. And I think are always shocked to find that like most of my other female friends are also musicians that we all go to each other's shows. We're all friends. Um, And some of us play the same genre. And it's like, yeah, just because my friend is really talented and is really successful. It doesn't mean that I'm not. It just means that she's doing great. And, you know, you can let things like that sort of fuel you um, and allow you to propel yourself forward. Like, wow, I really like how she created this opportunity for herself. I want to do something like that and go home and work, work at it and eventually reach that sort of point for yourself. And I think that's really great. Yeah, I think that's a that's such a good mindset to have because it's so easy to kind of like see others, especially like your peer Mm -hmm. group and like friends even if they get like a little bit of success you have that like little bit of just like ting of jealousy Mm -hmm. sometimes and it's easy to let that grow into kind of more of like a hater type thing Mm -hmm. 
And so it's always wonderful whenever I hear like people be like, yeah, I'm supportive. I go to their shows. I do this. Like, cause mm. um, I'm involved in like theater and acting in Chicago. And so oh, it's, wow. yeah. So, um, so it's easy to kind of do that whenever you're, especially in the theater world, like whenever you're auditioning and you're going to these auditions and everybody looks like you and you're just like, oh, he got it again type thing. And it's easy <laughs> to kind of get into that, um, that hater mentality. So it's always great because I always like, it took me a while to kind mm -hmm. of get past that and be like, okay, they're getting success. So how can I kind of talk to them, figure out how they kind of got there and you kind of not piggyback off of them, but like learn from it and also apply it to me and then have it spring you forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very true. Okay. So do you have like any siblings? Mm -hmm. I have a yeah. younger sister and a younger brother, and they okay. are amazing. And I love them. Mm -hmm. Today is actually my sister's birthday. Oh, well, so. then happy birthday to your sister. Yes. Wow, Valentine's no, Day, baby. Wow. I know. We we call it, her name is Fallon. We call it Valentine's Day because it's oh. Fallon's Day. So is that <laughs> how that works so well? Are they like I in know. the, are they, are they musicians? Fallon is more on the business side of things, but yes, mm -hmm. she is very musically gifted. Um, she actually just moved to Los Angeles all by herself in August. She is the first one to like leave the entire like clan is here in Nashville. <laughs> Fallon's the first one to move out, so we're all like, mm. and um, she's in LA right now uh, studying music business. She is going to have my dad's job one day and just take it from him because she's wow. incredibly smart business savvy um and i tease her all the time just saying that one day i'm gonna end up like working for her as like her intern or something she's so awesome i love her and then i have a younger brother he is a sophomore in high school he i don't think is interested in music uh as much as maybe me and my sister are but definitely appreciates music and i i think in a really unique and spiritual way that a lot of people don't i think he's a good fan of music um and he's more into sports um as of right now and i think it's really funny my parents almost don't even know what to do with themselves they're not sports people so they i mean they're very supportive and loving they go to every game that he has but you can tell they kind of don't really know what's going on the whole time and i'm i'm the same way whenever i get the chance to see him play um, but he does like football, lacrosse, uh, track, cross country, so many different sports. Wow. But yeah, they're my my siblings are really, really talented and wonderful. I love them both a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that's great. Cause I was trying to see if mm -hmm. like it was just like, you know, everybody in the family is like musically inclined yeah. and going into it. I think yeah, everybody kind of thinks all of us are, and I think they're shocked to hear when Brennan's not. Because um, I'm more the performer, my sister's more the business side of things, and then my brother's kind of, I think, just still, he's in high school, he's trying to figure out what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we never have it figured out. So. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. And even then, when you get older, you still don't have it figured out, even when you no. think you're just, you're oh, just kind of, now. you're just kind of going along the journey. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you said you went to college. Did you mm -hmm. finish college? I did not, no. Okay. okay so. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, to yeah. be honest, it's not really necessary. Yes. And that is the answer everyone has given me about that. Whenever, you know, if I'm in a job interview or whatever, and people ask, I'm just like, no, it just wasn't, you know, for me specifically for what I want to do. I don't think it's necessary. And 
I was really, I mean, gosh, I was absolutely miserable. I felt guilty the entire time. Like I was utilizing resources that I knew weren't actually helping. And I found myself constantly jealous of the people around me who were not in college because I could see them growing and becoming better and getting more gigs and opportunities that I wanted, but that I knew I couldn't get until I was out of college. And Mm. at this point I was a freshman and had signed away my life for four years. So I'm happy to say I was smart enough to get out of it uh, early because Mm. I mean, some of the people I know who did graduate um, the specific program that I was in, all of them have told me they regret it and that they did not enjoy it. They didn't like it. They thought it was a waste of time and money and, you know, are in a similar space and where I am and I didn't finish. So yeah. what advantage should they really have? And, you know, I just, I can't help but feel for them in a way like, man, I just feel bad that it is what it is. And that stinks. But it's also like one of those things of that had to be a nerve wracking to kind of go through that decision making mm-hmm. process, but also very oh, scary yeah. because like you're in like uncharted territory because- mm-hmm. Because most of the time, whenever we think about college or whatnot, it's like, oh, it's preparing me for my future. Like, this is going to set up and open up opportunities. And so, like, kind of going away from that, it's like, oh, my gosh, am I throwing away possible opportunities? So, I'm sure there was, like, kind of a lot of inner turmoil going through when you made that decision. Oh, my goodness. There absolutely was. And I was really, I mean, I just want to give a shout out to my dad my dad is my best friend my ride or die we are best friends i'm super close with my dad he was always very calm about the entire thing i remember coming to him like teary-eyed just like i can't i can't do this like i can't be here and he was just like okay do you want to move home for a little bit let's let's why don't you move home with me for like a month and you know, you figure out what you want to do. And once you feel like you're in a comfortable place, I mean, whatever you need, like, we'll, we'll be able to help you. We'll figure it out. He was always very understanding of like, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew it wasn't this. And I think my mom at the time, I think was just scared for me just because they grew up in a time period where I think it was like, you go to college if you're a musician and if you don't, what are you doing? And I think my mom um, was unsure of my future. But I think once I was out and, you know, I only moved home with them for like a month. I saved enough money and eventually moved myself out and then started trying to find myself in other ways. And I think then and only then were they like, okay, she's on her way. She's settled. She's doing okay. Um, And I think they, it made them less scared. Um, But I think... I admire just their steadfast support in that because I definitely knew I wasn't happy, but I don't think I knew what I wanted to do instead of college, like how to spend my time on a day-to-day scale. Um, And I think I'm still figuring that out sometimes. So, you know, I don't know, but I admire their support and their kindness regarding that. Well, I mean, it sounds like, that's wonderful because that's what you want is yeah. a great, great support system because, I mean, you could go the opposite side where you're like, hey, mom, dad, I'm not thinking college is really my thing. And then it turns into, well, we're going to – you're going to stay and you're going to force your way through. And it's like yep. – mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's wonderful. That. Yeah, that's – because that's – so – 
did you kind of feel, because I know you kind of went through, like you felt like you were kind of like spinning your wheels, sort of speak at like uh, yeah. at college. Did you, and you said like you didn't have an idea of what you wanted to do, but did you have, mm-hmm. have like kind of a calling that you were like, okay, this may not be right, but like I want to kind mm-hmm. of pursue like this avenue mm-hmm. instead. I think I have always been, I mean, the most romantic part of music for me has always been performing i Uh love performing i love playing in a band i love being on a stage there's just there's nothing like that for me that's just my first love anytime i play a show i feel like i'm on top of the world i love talking to people interacting with people and sharing really great you know emotions that i've had uh with people that i don't know i don't know what it is about that but i love it and so I think when I was in college, I wasn't able to perform as much as I wanted to. My favorite aspect of performing is touring. I love touring because it combines okay. my two favorite loves, performing and traveling. And I love traveling. My family is a big travel family. We've traveled a lot. They've taught me how to travel well and how to take care of myself and the people around me. Um, how you shut up and you eat what you're given anywhere you are because that is your meal. You know, be thankful. And... um I remember in college in particular getting the opportunity, a lot of people asking me, like, I want you to come on tour with me as a background vocalist, or I would love it if you came on tour with me as an opener. I would love for you to come do the show in this city. And it's like, man, I really want to, but I have class. I can't get out of it. And then I started getting really depressed because it was like thing after thing after thing. I was just having to say no, no, over and over again. And then it was making me really sad because I was like, I feel like, all of this is moving on without me and I'm not able to do the things I want to do and grow the way I want. I'm just sitting in a classroom taking notes about why Britney Spears shaving her head was a thing that all women have to do in order to get people to listen to them when in reality that's not. It was, oh God, it just made me so upset. I was like, that's not how that works. But I was... I incredibly disheartened if that was the case i feel like there'd be more, more bald female or artists exactly then. they their their stance was that uh i remember a professor said this and i remember just thinking like that is not right yeah. um he had said that women in the music industry have to have a moment of doing something crazy in order to get everyone to listen to them his examples that he utilized were britney spears shaving her head and Miley Cyrus twerking, which I, you know, I was like, yeah, those were crazy and people definitely paid attention. But like, I don't think Britney Spears shaved her head to get everyone to listen to her. I think she shaved her head because she was going through something really hard. Yeah. Was- and I think Miley Cyrus just wanted to explore a different, you know, side of the music world. I don't think she was twerking specifically to, you know, it was just very strange. And then I thought yeah. about like, well, Adele like hasn't done that. Alicia Keys hasn't done mm-hmm. something like that. I don't think Beyonce has like listing other, like not everyone has done something like that. And also yeah. like, I don't have to get people to look at me by doing something crazy. Why don't I just like, show up and just do my own thing it was just yeah. very strange so or you know quite or a crazy quite thought have people yeah. appreciate and listen to the music and be like exactly. oh wow she's a great artist like i want yeah. to listen to this more i think it was uh death cab for cutie my favorite band they said it best uh they're a rock band and they are always they're notoriously always on time to every show they're always really nice to every staff member 
And I think Benjamin Gibbard had said in an interview, like, we put the punk in punctual. <laughs> I thought that was amazing. <laughs> Just, That's oh, man, that is such a great, you know, I want to take that, like, moving mm -hmm. forward. I want to put the punk in punctual and uh, be, you know be in a place where I'm respected just for being on time and being polite, being kind yeah. and doing a good job. But I think, uh, yeah, I think dropping out of college is probably one of the smartest things I've ever done. Uh, I think it really propelled me to move forward and to find myself. And I remember even just, uh, I had a really inspiring conversation with a friend who is very successful, does great music tours constantly. He's going to South Africa in two months oh, to do a music wow. festival. I know. Like what? Um That's awesome. And I remember asking him, like, how do you how do you do a tour? Like, I want to do a tour, but I feel like I can't do it. And he was like, Do you have friends in other cities? And I said, Yeah. And he was like, There's a tour. Just like, just do it. Just ask people for help. You can ask for help. And I had posted something on my Instagram at the time, I think just saying like, I want to go on a tour, where should I go? And was shocked at the amount of positive feedback of, wow. oh my gosh, you know, come to my city. I know this great venue where you could play. Oh, come to my city. You can stay with me in my house. I don't know where you can play, but I have a place for you to sleep. And just everyone was so quick to like offer support in different ways. And Amazing. it was just so kind and then then i was able to very uh abrace abrasively you know plan my own tour when i was 19 that was the first tour i ever went on i went for two weeks i paid for everything i had no money and i took nine people with me and wow. my parents thought i was gonna die <laughs> but it's like one of my proudest things i've ever done is wow. do that well, mm -hmm. i feel like well, wow, there's so much to unpack here because there's a great, no, there's a great like quote that I heard. Um, I think I was listening to a different podcast, but one of the things about like that decision to whether stay in college or come out, like mm -hmm. um, the person that was talking about it was like their, their parents were like, listen, pursue this. You're still young. Mm -hmm. College is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. Like, so you have like those like younger years to kind of be like young and dumb, so to speak, if you want to mm -hmm. use that cliche, but it's like, you can go out and make these mistakes and kind of, you have time to recover from it type thing. And I think that's just mm -hmm. like, that's wonderful from that. But then unpacking going on to like the point that we're on right now, like 19, that was your first tour. Like, like that's such a big undertaking and like how did you feel like not only like going prepping for it but like once you were done like oh my gosh so good so yeah. happy my dad I remember told me that it was the bravest thing he had ever seen me do which mm -hmm. made me feel really good um I I've always been somebody that likes the idea of being a leader but I don't think I really had a strong opportunity to lead the group until that tour. Um, and we went everywhere. I mean, we did, we were across the entire country. Uh, we went to, if I remember correctly, Cape Girardeau. I know Memphis. Cape Girardeau. Yes, Missouri. Yeah, I, Missouri. I loved Cape Girardeau. Those people are fun. Uh, <laughs> Cape Girardeau, Memphis, Dallas, Waco. Um, oh, goodness. The... Why am I not thinking of this all of a sudden? Houston. 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 And then uh, New Orleans and then back to Nashville. 
so oh, wow. in like a little oh, loop cool. um little circle um and we took a van my friend ollie had a van that we took i was fine with organizing the airbnbs talking to the venues doing what i had to do as long as somebody else drove the car so ollie my bassist at the time he was the one who drove the car and we all just like hitched a ride and went around uh some places we were able to stay with friends but there were also nine of us because i brought an opening band with me oh okay and it was you know it was great but then other times i just i got us an airbnb um in a couple cities because you know you can't force everyone to allow <laughs> nine people into their house um but we created some great memories uh that particular band and i and then this band that i've been playing with for the past almost five years now which is crazy to say my best friends they um we've only done a couple out of state shows together so far uh we're kind of still getting into that i think just they haven't traveled as much as i have and we're sort of still getting our footing in that but the few places we've gone together too it's like we've made some great memories mm -hmm stories that we will tell for years and years about how funny you know something was and uh just the amazing people that you get to meet and just we we always have such a good time it's my definitely my favorite aspect uh, of playing music for sure i always like yeah. to ask especially when i interview like people that are in like theater or anything that's like live like um performing yeah. do you have like a um just absolutely like disaster moment like when you've like, oh my gosh performing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had I've had several of those. I had, gosh, this most recent show I played last Thursday. Um, mm -hmm. I was on stage. My eyelash fell off on stage onto my cheek while I was playing, and I hadn't spoken yet in the set. And it was like three songs deep. The lights go out, and I just said, "I think my eyelash fell off," and everyone started <laughs> laughing. Um, my single release show for one of my first single off of my second record uh we were playing a venue called the cobra which i love mm -hmm. the cobra i've played there several times now but this was the first time i'd ever played there i was on stage and my guitar broke on stage <sighs> like i was plugging it in and the jack just fell out of the guitar because it was loose oh, i guess up until that point and just completely fell out so i had to very awkwardly ask like hey does anybody have another guitar <laughs> eventually a guy came running through and was like i have one and i was able to use that but gosh that was uh that was pretty mortifying uh experience. Oh, wow wow so, yeah yeah i have like i have one that i always like i, I like to tell is like i was doing yes. a play in college called uh dracula and uh so i was playing renfield and so i was like passed out on stage and so one of my friends who was playing a doctor had to like come over and kind of like drag me off stage so when he bent over, you just hear his pants rip from his seams. Uh, as oh, he just my God. And then he just whispers, oh, fuck, I just ripped my pants. And then I'm supposed to be passed out. And then I'm like, I'm like trying to hold in a laugh. laugh. And he's just like the whole time he's just muttering, oh, my God, I can't believe I ripped my pants. I should lose some fucking weight. <laughs> oh, my God. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So I always like to hear like those like because it's like such a high pressure situation and like, you know, sometimes like yeah. the best moments come out of it. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. So then because you funny. love performing so much, like kind of just mm -hmm. take me through like that feeling of like being on stage, 
like performing, especially like music that you've written uh, to an audience. Cause I, 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 cause right. I can only imagine, cause I'm not a singer, but like, especially if the song is pretty personal, like that has to have, mm-hmm. there has to be some kind of like anxiety of like how this is going to be um, received yeah. from the audience. So, Oh, there definitely is. Although I, I always joke with people. I feel like I'm the kind of person where I, if I'm going through something, I mean, writing was very therapeutic. I mean, that's mm-hmm. always kind of how I deal with my emotions, but what I'll do is I'll write a couple songs about it and then I'll just shelve it for like two years and then uh-huh. later on, whip out the songs when I'm like, oh, I'm emotionally over this. I'm in a space where I could visit that place on stage and feel okay. But I mean, there have been so many shows I've had to play after a breakup. I'm fighting with somebody. And I mean, you can tell for sure that I'm upset or something. And I try to just utilize that to mm-hmm. move the set forward and it's funny most of the time people don't realize that i'm actually in a sad state of mind or something like that and they just think i'm like really into it and i'm like oh yeah no i'm i'm really sad right now (laughs) that's why i cried on stage or whatever but you know people are just like wow she really she's really feeling this song uh but i think what's uh wonderful and what's so validating is a lot of these songs that i write are from a very hurt place Mm -hmm. where i feel as though an injustice has occurred um so in a way it's like my way of sort of taking back my power um by singing about it on stage and performing you know something that i think is really worthwhile and when people come up to me and say oh my gosh that song was so great i really felt i feel the same or i related to that and that i know it's not just me it makes me feel like, oh, this wasn't in vain. I didn't go through this for no reason. I got to make something out of it, and I helped somebody else feel better. Um, when I was, I think it was the first single off of my first album, I wrote a song called Red Wine, and it mm-hmm. is about breaking up with someone and not feeling bad about breaking up with them um, because you know that you're going to be okay. And I had released it. I remember this 13-year-old girl. I've never met her, but she... I guess it was a friend of a friend's sister or something, wrote me a letter saying how much she loved the song and how she was going through her very first breakup. She'd never broken up with someone before, but how she has been listening to the song every day and that it made her feel like things were going to be okay and that she was going to be better. Mm. I read this letter and like sobbed because I was like, I think 18, 19, I was still actively dealing with that same relationship and my feelings regarding it. But reading that, I was like, oh man, that is so, it just made me feel so much better. Uh, And like, you know, I didn't go through this for no reason. You know, somebody really needed that. And I hope that, you know, she was able to utilize that to go forward. I mean, that's how I feel about so many artists and the idea that they did that for me, I'm like, oh, I want to do that for somebody else. So I think that's something I really enjoy about performing is you meet people and interact with people and have stories like that that just make you feel so complete in a way. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's that's what's so great about music is it's like you like because you like you know more, but like as like a as I'm sure like writing a song or whatnot, you're taking like this moment in your life, but then like 
releasing it and then like somehow like people can take it and like apply it to themselves and it just becomes like universal and so like art is just like so incredible in that way because oh yeah you're putting something out there like a piece of you and then like people are like yep that's me too and then you just you mm -hmm. kind of create your own community based off of that and it's just like it's so so wonderful man i completely agree and i think my my bassist uh who i would argue is probably the most emotionally intelligent savvy within the band uh He's so sweet. He just like, I had a moment, I was crying on stage after a song and I kind of turned around and I think he could see I was actually upset and pulled me over and was like, hey, like people are going to come and go, but like this, this is, this is always yeah. going to be around. Like you're going to yeah. be okay. And oh, it just, moments like that, I think just really propel me to move forward and make me feel like, oh, this is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I'm in the right space at the right time. This is correct this feels right yeah yeah so kind of take me through like the creative process when you're sitting down to write something like is it do you do you make it an effort to make sure you're writing every day or is it like okay do you like just be like okay do you write like whenever you're feeling like emotional or have like an idea it's funny i feel like a lot of the times things just kind of show up as yeah. terrible as that sounds. I mean, I've, I've been trying to be more diligent about sitting sure. and writing, especially when you're co-writing with someone. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's important to always show up with something and say, hey, I have this verse or I have this melody to contribute to the song we're going to make together. But when I'm writing alone, which is most of the time, like 75, 80% of the time, um, it kind of just shows up. I mean, most of the time... I hear a melody in my head or I think of the lyric that I just really like and then that's what I write down and then I put it to music later. A couple of times I've experimented, I'm thinking of a couple different songs in particular off of my newest record uh, where I come up with the melody first and then I'll take a poem or like a, a lyric and put that to the song. Um, but most of the time, and the songs I'm probably the proudest of are the ones where I've written the lyrics first, uh -huh. um, just because that's more, I think, my strong suit. I think I when I write, I try to look for people who are better at coming up with melodies because I'm better at coming up with lyrics, so that way we can make something equally strong together. But, you know, there are, there are certain songs, it's like you hear the melody and you're like, that sounds way more complicated. She came up with that first or the lyric is better. Oh, that was what was, what had been come up with first. So yeah. it definitely varies. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think sometimes I feel a strong emotion or I hear a lot of the times I'll go to other people's shows and I'll hear an idea that really is inspiring um, or concept that I love. Um, and that kind of is what propels me to, make an attempt i've been listening recently to a lot of uh green day ironically okay. i think i've just been feeling very uh nostalgic and a little like grungy trashy angry so yeah. i've been listening to a lot of green day so i was like i'm gonna try to write a song like green day and i ended up writing something i'm really proud of that we will see in two years um oh, so i yeah everybody everybody strap in your seats because <laughs> when this song comes out it's gonna be crazy uh and maybe it'll be sooner than that, but something I was pretty proud of. Um, so I love to let other musicians and other artists inspire me 
to uh sometimes they're my friends sometimes they're green day or people i don't know but uh i think it depends essentially <laughs> okay yeah because there's that um i don't know if you've ever read the book it's called um steal like an artist by like austin cleon and so the whole concept of yeah, if I re- highly recommend it because it's as an artist, it's like you just you kind of take little nuggets and then you're uh-huh. able to kind of like put it through your lens and like kind of reproduce it. So like pretty much like most art is stolen because like you're mm-hmm. looking at something, interpreting it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I highly recommend that book. So um, so yeah. like you take it like from Green Day and stuff. It's just like, yeah, you're kind of like stealing that. But like mm-hmm. you're kind of like putting your influence and everything through it. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel kind of a completely different medium but like with music videos uh-huh. i that's I'm a lost a, that's a lost art i'm such a I, it's i'm such a like cinephile i love movies i watch movies constantly i have a list of like movies that i've watched um i don't know what it is about movies that i just absolutely love but cool. i the choir right here <laughs> I love I, me too I, whenever I have the opportunity to create a music video, I really love to feel inspired by movies or a style of movie that I really love, uh, especially with, fav- I would say my favorite music video I've ever made. And probably the biggest budget I had was for my music video for Miss Lonely Heart, which I thought it would be cool to do sort of like a silent film chase scene. The Ooh. entire thing's in black and white. And it's like a chase scene, but also like kind of 1960s French New Wave with like the weird close-ups and the detective case and sort of something more like that. And then my second favorite music video I've made, I absolutely love um, Tom York from Radiohead, Mm -hmm. made a short film on Netflix called Anima for his uh, solo record that he had come out with fairly recently. And in this 15-minute short film, I highly encourage everybody to watch it. It's so good. He has his third track, Dawn Chorus. Um, He stated in a lot of interviews, it's sort of his idea of the masculine and feminine energy coming together. When I tell you this, like, visual, it's so good. It made me sob. Because it's like this idea of, I think, what he believes like pure love is. And it's these interpretive dancers. It's him and this woman. It is so good and so pure. I remember showing my dad. We were both like sobbing. I cry every time I watch it. My dad was like, that was really beautiful, Quinny. Thank you for sharing. But when I was coming up with Miss Lonely Heart, or not Miss Lonely Heart, when we die, I was like, it would be really cool to have some interpretive dance in a song. And I was heavily inspired by that for that music video. So I love letting media of different forms inspire songs and inspire um, visual representations of things or how a movie makes me feel could even be mm-hmm. something that I incorporate into a song. Um, so, yeah, I just think that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's also vital because... Mm-hmm because um, especially as an artist you you have to sometimes like inspiration kind of like leaves you just based off you know daily things some days you wake up maybe you're a little bit more depressed than usual and you're not as inspired and so it's always great to like go and find like a different piece of medium or art to kind of like look at or view and experience yeah. and kind of help jump start that within you again mm-hmm. um, I agree but yeah so kind of like taking it to like a different note, has there ever mm-hmm. been like um like 
times when like you were like you know what like none of this is working out like i know like i i was doing like a play up here and like one night like i think like two people came to see it and so it was like one of those things of just like am i doing the right thing like how do you have you had that feeling and how do have you like reassured yourself that you know what this is what i'm supposed to be doing and like pursuing because i think it's important for people to hear yeah absolutely i think everyone is capable of having bad days i've certainly had really bad days i've had terrible shows but those terrible shows make the great shows that much greater or not even the terrible shows but the weird shows too where you're like what is going on right now this is not where i thought i would be this is a weird venue these people are strange i don't feel like anybody's listening to me but again, this is like how you learn. It's all trial and error with certain types of people you uh, hang out with and perform with and um, different venues that you play. I mean, I've had shows where there's two people and, you know, it does make you feel bad because you're like, man, this is awkward. But like those two people, I will talk to them, you know, thank them over and over again for being there and you know, try to look at things in a more positive way. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's more the idea that if there is a show like that, I know that I'll be okay. I think I feel bad for my bandmates in that uh-huh. regard. I'm like, man, I made you like take off a night to like be here. I'm responsible for these other people being here. And I think it that is more what makes me feel guilty as the leader of just like, man, I picked a bad thing for us to do um versus like occasionally you know we have like a great show and i'm like yeah i picked this for us so i think it's it's there's good days and there's bad days i think at the end of the day all you can really do is learn um as you go but you know it's not linear it's not just going to be like this the entire time i've had you know i yeah, I don't know what that was with my hand, but that was that was me going all over the place. I, I uh, saw the graph. I saw it. I was just like, "Wow." Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. I I think that um, your environment definitely has a lot to do with it. I think I'm in a space right now where I got out of a toxic relationship fairly recently, and I think because I'm now out of it, I have been booking, booking, booking shows throwing myself into music because I don't have anything else to throw my energy into. So I'm like, I'm just going to be sad and play tons of shows because that is how that needs to be done. And that's what I want to put my energy into anyways. But I've noticed that when I'm in a really stable relationship or a really stable job and I'm feeling sort of stagnant, I'll only do like a show every month, which is not a lot. If you're in Nashville, that's pretty slim. Um, meanwhile, for comparison, March, I have already booked myself like six or seven shows just because I'm like, I just want to be not in my house. Cause if I sit in my house and I think about it, it's going to make me sad. Today is Valentine's day, but, um, you know, here we are (laughs) and that's okay. And you do what you got to do. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, as long as you're out there, that's more than other people can say for themselves. I think you've just got to constantly be out and trying because if you're doing that and if you're actively failing it's going to propel you to move forward and you're going to learn way more than the person that's sitting in their room who's too scared to ever do a show 
and they'll never yeah. do it because they're too scared and you're going to grow way more than they do because you're putting yourself out there at the very least. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's such yeah. a great point because I harp on it quite a bit on this show is yeah. you have to fail. You have to fail. You can't be afraid to fail because mm-hmm. then that keeps you frozen and you don't even try and then you're, you're failing just by not even trying. So it's like yeah. this weird like... Yeah juxtaposition of like if you try you fail but if you don't try you fail so either way you're failing mm-hmm. so yeah, what are you scared exactly of? Mm-hmm. i totally agree with that i think no. that's so so true and i hope i hope people are inspired by that to keep trying yes yeah. yeah. if we don't i mean i say it all the time and I, i'll always mean it but the idea that you know as creatives as musicians you know we are not taken seriously in in life and society or whatever if one of us wins something we all win Mm -hmm. because every day you know we get a little bit closer to having a respected profession or getting more opportunities for us all to do this full time um because some of us do and some of us don't but that doesn't make us more successful or less successful than anybody else because at the end of the day if you're making art you are successful yep i totally agree totally agree um yeah, because I want nothing more, especially from this podcast, is for somebody to just be inspired enough to keep going. And then mm-hmm. um, they have enough wherewithal to kind of like, or enough, you know, enough juice, I guess. I don't know. I'm searching for the word, but I can't find it right now. But just no, enough motivation or whatnot, or just effort or whatever. But like they can be inspired enough to like finish or do an art exhibit or put out a song or put out a poem or something and just get it out into the world because once it's out there you don't know what the world's going to do with it but this is like making sure that you're able to kind of just get it out is get it out of you because the worst thing is like having like an idea like a song inside you or like you know something Mm -hmm. like creative like trapped inside of you that can't get it come out it's yeah it's the worst feeling of all time Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I always ask this question and I kind of, it comes from left field and a lot of people struggle with it. So I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah. What words of advice would you give your younger self? Oh gosh. Hmm. That's a good question. I know. Okay. I, I ask. I ask. I usually ask like one good question every podcast. Okay. So I feel like these are good it. questions. Um, man, gosh, I would have to say just like you're not always going to be so lonely. Things are mm. going to be okay, and one day Tom Petty is not going to be your only friend. <laughs> one day you're going to meet other people who also want to do music and. It's not a bad thing to be yourself, I think is maybe the big thing, I would yeah. say. I think for so long, so many of us, we are trying so hard to blend in when we were born to be individuals. I think not trying to tie religion into it, but I think God created us all differently. And I think he loves the fact that we're all different from each other. You know, I think he loves diversity. He loves the idea that we're he's, she's, and they's, and we all have different colored hair and different colored skin and that we are all so different and unique and i think for so long i just wanted to hide and i just wanted to look like everybody else and blend in um and i think 
the moment that I stopped doing that was when I started making friends and when I started connecting with people was when I was myself. Um, and I think a lot of other musicians would agree with me. I think a lot of other creatives would agree with that. Yeah. The moment that you are yourself are when people start to pay attention and they start to connect and uh -huh. you get to make those really beautiful, otherworldly spiritual connections with people. And I think it's just so great. Um, yeah. So if I could go back when I was a kid and say something to Tiny Quinn, that is what I would say. Just that, you know, be yourself. Life is too short. There we go. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, because like, I, I find that especially now, this day and age, like a lot of people can uh, sense and kind of sense like people who are fake, especially in this kind of like in the creative realms and stuff like that. So they're just like, oh, I'm not going to buy that because it just doesn't mm -hmm. seem very authentic. So I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I usually cap these at about an hour. So we're about the about that hour mark. So I think, All right. I think yeah, we'll start winding this down. But um, Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for being on. Um, thank you. I would like to take this time to kind of like throw it to you. So if there's any like projects or anything that you're like working on, or you want people to kind of visit like your social medias or your websites or anything or where to check you out, like please. Yeah. All right. Um, if you want to find me on Instagram or TikTok, my username is Moldy Espresso uh, because that's how I get people to remember who I am. Um, I'm on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Tidal, Carrier Pigeon, um, anywhere where you want to stream your music as Quinn O'Donnell. I have two albums out. I have multiple pieces of music that are out and many more that are to come uh, in the future. Please feel free to give a listen, give a follow, give a like, anything. Or just say you did. That's also really nice as well. Um, my DMs are always open. If anybody wants to talk or needs a friend, I'm always around. Um, if you're ever in Nashville, come do a show. That's all I have to say. There we go. All right. Yeah. Well, well let's, like, once again, I'd like to thank you for being on. I really appreciate it for taking time out of your day and talking about like, your creative journey. Absolutely. And Matthew, thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Creative Wisdom. I'm your host, Matthew Collins. Thank you for tuning in. But thank you more importantly to Quinn O'Donnell for being on the show. Man, what a great conversation. Um, over the moon right now. Um, so thank you, Quinn, for being on, sharing your wisdom, sharing your creativity, sharing your passion with us. Uh, highly, highly appreciate it. Man. But before I kind of talk even further, go give her a follow on Instagram, Moldy Espresso. Go stream her music, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you stream your music. Give her some spins. Give her some listens. Let's show her some support. But I think the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this conversation is it's okay to fail. Um, I've talked about it before. I'll continue to preach on it. It's, uh, hell, I even, you know, dedicated a whole episode of How to Fail. Um I think it's so important in your creative process, your creative journey to fail. Uh, that means you're trying. You, you know, if you are able to try, fail, learn from it, apply it, and continue to grow, you're going to be so much better off than just being afraid to fail. Because then you're staying stagnant, you're staying in the same pot spot, and it's just it's not beneficial to you. So the quicker that you can embrace it, fail upwards, continue your journey, you're going to be so much better off. But also this concept, you got to take risks as well. 
Um, and in her case, her journey, you know, dropping out of school, it just wasn't working out. You know, it's so many times we try to please others and we try to please, you know, our parents or whomever. We stay in these situations for far too long. And for her to take a risk and be like, hey, this is not for me. I'm going to stop. I want to pursue my passion and do it my own way. Such a such a big risk. And I applaud her for taking that and sharing that with us. But also, you know, at such a young age, being like, okay, I'm going to plan my own tour and touring around the country. That's so amazing. And so take those risks, fail, and, you know, hopefully grow and continue to put yourself out there. But that's going to do it for this episode. Once again, I want to remind you, go follow her Instagram, Holy Espresso, go stream her music. Um, I can't wait to see and hear that Green Day song she talked about. Hopefully it's quicker than two years, but um, I can't wait to see what she does next. But once again, this is Creative Wisdom. I'm your host, Matthew Collins. Until the next one, stay creative.